Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is a portion of our second reading from St. Peter's first epistle, chapter 3, and we'll hear again these words. In the ark, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. This is the word of our God, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Hollywood loves the Bible. Not like we do, not as the source of all truth, not as our greatest comfort, not as the God's love letter to humankind, the message of his salvation in Christ. Hollywood loves the Bible as a source of great stories, great drama that can be mined for profit. The heyday of the biblical epic was the 1950s and 60s. Classics like Jesus of Nazareth and the greatest story ever told. And most famously of all, the Ten Commandments set the standard and they thrilled audiences. And here's the thing. Back in those days, the producers of those Hollywood movies actually, for the most part, stayed pretty close to the actual stories from the Bible. Then in 2004 came another biblical epic, Noah, starring Russell Crowe. To say that the producers of this movie took liberties with the biblical text would be an understatement. In this particular version of the flood story, there were cannibals, uh, there were rock monsters that had to be fought off, and throughout the entire movie, the name of God is not mentioned even once. And at the end, the ark comes slamming and crashing in to the side of a mountain. Again, it doesn't stick close to the story, and that shouldn't surprise us. The producer's goal was not accuracy to the biblical text. They wanted to make an entertaining and exciting movie so that they could make money for themselves. They used the flood for profit. In the portion of God's word before us this morning, St. Peter uses the flood for more noble purposes. Under the Spirit's inspiration, St. Peter uses the flood to teach us about holy baptism. And his point is so clear that it simply cannot be missed. He says, baptism saves you. Baptism saves you, my friends, by rescuing you from sin and death. Baptism saves you by connecting you to the living Savior. Peter writes, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. Now, when you think about the great flood, salvation isn't the first thing that comes to your mind. You probably think of destruction. It's hard for us to imagine the impact of a worldwide flood because we've never experienced anything even close to it. The Bible describes this unique cataclysmic event this way. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. 
This was more than a summertime thunder shower. This was something truly unique. Uh, great pockets, reservoirs of water underneath the earth's crust burst open. And as you can imagine, when that kind of thing happened, it caused all kinds of seismic activity, like earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. And then for 40 days and 40 nights, the rain came down in buckets. It's raining outside today, but nothing even close to this. It rained so much, so much water, that even the tallest mountain peaks were covered so that the whole world seemed nothing but water. As you know, water can be an incredibly destructive force. And no one knew that better than the unrepentant sinners who perished so violently in the flood. And yet, my friends, it can be said that those floodwaters that caused such great destruction and even death actually also brought about salvation. You see, as those eight precious souls huddled in the safety of the ark, they were protected from everything going on outside. The floodwaters actually lifted them up above all of that intense destruction that was happening below them. If they had remained at ground level with everybody else, then they would have been destroyed with everybody else. But God used those floodwaters to lift them up in the safety of the ark. Now, why did God do this? Why did he save this group of just eight people? Was it because they were so good? Was it because they were better than everybody else? No, it was pure grace. It's always pure grace with our God. His undeserved love is what moves him to save us. Now, sometimes it's easy for us today to read the account of the flood and to kind of look down our noses at those people who perished in that great event as if we were better than them. We like to think that we were more like faithful Noah. Well, my friends, we are like Noah, but, but don't forget, Noah too and the other seven people in that ark, they were all sinners who deserved to be destroyed just like everybody else. God's word spoken at the time of the flood remains in effect today. It applies to all people today, which means it applies to you and to me. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Those words describe what our hearts are like by nature. Wicked and full of sin, and that sin pours out of our hearts in the form of thoughts and words and deeds that are anything but obedience to our God. My friends, with all people, we are sinners, and so we deserve to be destroyed eternally. But my friends, the same grace, the same undeserved love of God that moved him to save those eight people so long ago has moved him to save all of us. God saved the inhabitants of the ark through the water of the flood. God has saved you and me through the water and word of holy baptism. Baptism, you see, is not just a, a nice church ceremony, a, a churchly tradition, a christening, a rite of initiation. Baptism is something very, very special. As Peter says, baptism saves you. Baptism is not, as many people think, something that we do for God to be obedient to him. In baptism, God does something for us, a wonderful something. He drowns the old Adam in us, that old sinful nature. He washes away all of our sins. You see, baptism is a means of grace, a tool by which God the Holy Spirit gives us the forgiveness of sins and every blessing that our Lord Jesus won for us on the cross. 
The basic meaning of the word baptism is washing. Now these days we're hearing a lot about the importance of washing our hands carefully and regularly and singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or the Happy Birthday song to make sure that we, we do it long enough. Uh, this is of course for public health. There is no washing more important than the washing of holy baptism. Because you see, our God isn't just washing away dirt. He's washing away our sin, our moral filth. Baptism isn't about taking a bar of soap and making sure to clean behind your ears. In baptism, God pledges a clear conscience to us. Because God has washed away our sins, removed them in Christ, we can stand before him with a clear conscience because in his eyes we are as clean as a whistle. Now maybe you're wondering to yourself, as I have often wondered about baptism, it's such a simple ceremony. You splash a little water on a baby's head in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How can God give such great blessings through a little splashing of water? I'll never forget it. When I was a little kid, I went into the bathroom at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Burton, Michigan, where I was raised, and I witnessed one of the ushers filling the baptismal bowl from the sink in the men's room. And at the time, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought there had to be some special spigot somewhere that, out of which flowed this special holy water that they used for baptism. No, my friends, it, it really is just plain old water. When we have a baptism here from Emmanuel, I go in the kitchenette off the gathering room and I, I fill the baptismal pitcher from there. So then how can a little splashing of just plain old water do such great things? I mean, Peter says that baptism does nothing less than save us. I can't answer any better than Martin Luther did in his small catechism. He said, It is certainly not the water that does such things, but God's word which is in and with the water, and faith which trusts his, this word used with the water. That's why we are careful to baptize according to Christ's institution in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Those words are so very important. Those words carry power. Those words connect us by faith to our living Savior. Listen again to the words of our text. Baptism saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is seated at God's right hand. Several weeks ago, we celebrated our Lord's resurrection. Uh, it was kind of a strange celebration because we weren't able to come together uh, in person to rejoice in our Lord's rising from the dead, but it was still a celebration, and we're still celebrating our Lord's resurrection. We are still in the Easter season. Now, when we Christians think about Easter, we think a lot about a lot more than chocolate bunnies and pretty Easter dresses and bonnets and that green plastic grass that fills all the Easter baskets. We think about our Lord's tomb, open and empty. We think about the angel's remarkable announcement, He is not here, He has risen. We think about our baptism. Wait a minute, we think about our baptism? Do we really? Do we think about our baptism when we think about our Lord's empty tomb when we think about Easter? Should we be thinking about our baptism? Yes, my friends, we should, because you see, Jesus rising from the dead and our baptism are inseparably linked. In fact, you can think about it this way. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then baptism is pointless, it's useless, it's futile. It is just splashing a little water on a baby's head. 
You see, through baptism, the Spirit connects us by faith to our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. If the Savior has not been raised, well, then he's no Savior at all. If Jesus is dead, there is no such thing as the forgiveness of sins. If Jesus is dead, there is no such thing as eternal life in heaven. If Jesus is dead, we have no power to live for our God to his glory, and indeed we have no reason to even do so at all. Well, my friends, you know it well. Jesus is not dead. Jesus lives. God raised him from the dead. God raised his son from the dead to show that he accepted and approved Jesus' work as our substitute and Savior. God raised Jesus from the dead to show that his innocent, perfect, sin-free life of obedience in our place counts for us as if we lived it. God raised Jesus from the dead to show that his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, the holy blood that he shed, does indeed cleanse us of every sin, which means, my friends, that we have the righteousness that God demands of us. We have it through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith worked in baptism. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Through baptism, God dresses us in Jesus' resurrection clothes. The robes of his righteousness won for us on the cross and confirmed for us by his empty tomb. So when God looks at you now, baptized child of God, he doesn't see the filthy, tattered rags of your sins anymore. He sees only his son's perfect, holy, righteous robes. God looks at you and he sees a saint, an heir of eternal life. And knowing this makes a big difference for you every day of your life and how you live every day of your life. Martin Luther famously said, Don't say, I was baptized. Say rather, I am baptized. And just think of that. Right now, you are a baptized child of God. Right now, you wear the robes of righteousness that Christ won for you. Right now, you are connected by faith to your living Savior, and you are empowered for a life of obedience to Him. When your conscience places before you all those sins that you've committed in thought and desire, word and deed, like little post-it notes, like little strings tied around your finger saying, don't forget about these sins. Instead, remember your baptism. And yes, forget about all those sins because they're all washed away in Jesus. When the world tells you that if you're going to be happy, if you're going to be successful, then you have to believe in yourself. Remember your baptism, by which the Spirit brought you to faith in someone so much greater than yourself, someone who gives you peace and purpose in life, someone who gives you the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, your Lord Jesus. When the pressures and troubles of life in this world are coming at you fast and furious, when you're thinking to yourself, I can't possibly stand another day of this pandemic, Remember your baptism, by which your God daily strengthens you to live for him and to endure all things. Each and every day, my friends, find a way to remember that you are a baptized child of God. 
My first congregation was a little mission outreach in McFarland, Wisconsin, Risen Savior. And we didn't have our own building at that time. We worshipped in an elementary school gymnasium. And so we had to set up for worship every single Sunday. And we had some members who kept all of the things we needed for worship in their garage. We loaded them into a truck every Sunday, brought them over to the gym and set them up. We had to set up the chairs, the altar, the cross, the lectern, and the baptismal font. And you might ask yourself, well, why did you bother setting up that baptismal font every Sunday? You certainly didn't have a baptism every Sunday. And that's correct. In fact, baptisms were pretty rare in that little mission. But my friends, the reason is clear and simple. Setting up that baptismal front in f- font in front of the congregation reminded us each time we gather for worship that we are baptized children of God. It reminded us of our salvation. I began this sermon this morning by talking to you about biblical epics. If you stop and think about it for a second, isn't baptism itself a biblical epic? I mean, it's biblical. It is a washing with water through the word. And it is epic because through it, God gives us such huge blessings. The forgiveness of all our sins and a clear conscience before him. Faith in Jesus Christ. And with that faith, a new life of peace and power and purpose to live for him. And of course, the promise of eternal life in heaven. My friends, remember this epic truth today and every day. You are a baptized child of God, and baptism saves you. Amen.